I'm Shanna Covey, creator and host of Always Shine Brightly. I named this podcast Always Shine Brightly because I believe that is what we are each here to do. And in times where we feel we're not shining bright, I feel it's still our purpose to work through and shift whatever is dimming our light. In this podcast, I'm speaking with guests who I see as bright lights in the world despite any struggles they may have gone through. The more of us who do this, the better the world becomes. Join us on this shared mission to make the world a brighter place. I'm so excited to have my first returning guest ever, Jessica Herman. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be back. Yes. So for those of you who maybe missed our first conversation, you can find it on episode one of season two. It's called Balancing Love and Wisdom with Jessica Herman. And in that episode, she shares her story of her spiritual awakening. So you can get all the details on kind of her personal journey. And you also gave some insight into how you began channeling a non-physical entity named Vagran, which is what we're going to get in today. Because since we last talked, which was, gosh, way back in March, you have written and published a book or you've channeled a book. So if you can kind of just give a little bit of overview, what does that mean that you channeled a book? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in the case of this particular book, um, most of the content of the book um, was originally audio um, and then transcribed and then shuffled and reorganized mm-hmm. to make sense of what had actually come through. Um, but channeling is um, when you allow your body and I retain also mind or brain to be used by an energy that is not general, that you don't generally identify as yours. Like a person an energy or consciousness that you wouldn't identify as like your personality you Mm -hmm. know so um or what you recognize yourself as so in my case um i tend to channel a particular frequency of an entity group or you know entity is also a very rough and abstract term but um of an energy um that uh that is known as vagrian and uh through the i think it's only been like but a year and a half, a year and a half channeling them, um, there's been a large uh, amount of information and, and data come through transmissions. Sure. And um, the first chunk of that is this first book. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's what I guess channeling a book is. <laughs> I think, well, just um, for from my insight and what I'd love to share in, in my experience with reading the book, I think that it's a masterclass on unity consciousness, which is just so beautiful. I think that uh, in, for all of us on a spiritual awakening, whether we're conscious to it or not, we're always on our way back to return to unity consciousness, to our own wholeness, which is also our oneness, our sharedness with each other, with everything. And I think that this book is a great, like I said, a masterclass on it where it touches the it, I mean, of course, it's coming from unity consciousness. So that's what I, I guess that's also what I would want to add about this energy that you're channeling or this consciousness that you're channeling. It is coming from this state of like such beauty and, and perfection on what on what unity truly is. And also it is accessible for I believe it's accessible for wherever someone may be on the journey, whether they're deeply entrenched in the journey and wanting to know every nuance to the to the upper levels of trying to finally align with unity consciousness to just your everyday life of trying to understand that life is actually for you. It's not against you. And I think like what helped me on my path is getting this framework of understanding how to look at the things that occur in our life, the frustrations, the triggers, the reactions, and whatever it might be, that once we get a handle on understanding that it's always pointing us back to our true nature, which is that unity state and which is a state of wholeness, that we can start to really understand what's happening, what the inner workings of life are and what the things are that are happening are just, they're not random and they're not hurt out to hurt you. That it, And that's what I'd love for this conversation today is to really dig into is to offer these perspectives to, to anyone in their journey so that they can start to look at like their relationship with others, with themselves, with money, with ailments, with all these different things that the book covers and if we can dive in and kind of like 
offer this, like, I want to call it the great reframe, like the, just the great reframe. And then you have these micro or these sub reframes within the great reframe. And so one of the way I think early on in, in the kind of the reframing area of the book, you really start to talk about the parent child relationship, which is for listeners, this is something that we had with Michelle Bowen a couple of episodes back, where that's her focus of her work. But in this book, it goes in, I think it's always good to hear multiple sources pointing to the same thing. So it doesn't seem so random or out of place. It's really kind of gelling together like, oh, there is something that's occurring with this. You know, in Michelle's case, she says your child is your guide. In this case, you're using the framework of next generation guardians. So could you speak to what is this new role in this parent-child relationship? What is a next-generation guardian? How, what is happening here? How are things changing with the new generations that are coming, coming into the world? That's a, that's a really great question. Thank you for the um, general overview of how the book is laid out and everything like that, because that was really clear for your readers. Um, in terms of the next-generation stuff, uh, it was actually, I am a mother, so it was actually, that channel material was actually quite challenging for me to um, to process and digest because it does come up against your, your current ideas of what it means to be a parent and your responsibilities as a parent and um, what your role is or how you identify with as, you know, a parental figure or someone who's meant to be taking care of um, children because the channeled material that came through in that regard um, because it comes from unity consciousness, I believe, realizes that a child is not an adult in training. Mm. So um, it has its own wholeness and completeness in its each and every moment, right? But we as humans have this habit of um, of completely disregarding our children in reality. I mean, even as a parent, I've been guilty of that many times and um, sort of like imposing my will upon them because mm -hmm. I quote unquote know better but the truth is, as I've only been on the planet in a very short amount of time, when you think about it more than them, and uh, I really don't know anything sort of on the higher levels of spirituality, and they're actually closer to source in terms of how short ago they had experience with source energy. So the reframing there is actually the kids do know better than us. Perhaps not how not to, you know, stick their hand in the fire or any right. of this classical, well, if I don't teach them how physical reality works, they'll get hurt. Yes, mm -hmm. they will, of course. That's our responsibility to protect them. But on the level of spirituality or even just um, respect that we have for these new creatures and not even just this next generation, but in theory, we should have been doing this all along. Right. Um, <laughs> um, there's definitely... a a shift that needs to occur. And that I think is occurring, you know, um, I'm also familiar with Michelle's work. And um, like you said, it's, it's the same message is now coming through lots of different sources. Mm -hmm. um, I also believe that there's a huge shift happening on our biology, in terms of like our, or at least my generation mm -hmm. is, is different than my children's completely right. on a biological level as well. I mean, even just the speed at which they process information yes. and um I, I mean I feel like, like we're seeing that like even with the millennial generation I feel like they like in our we're the same age we're the same generation I feel like we sort of woke up later in terms of like maybe mm -hmm. I was 32 when I started to like read A Course in Miracles and have that particular mm -hmm. awakening whereas like the millennials it's happening in their 20s or you know yeah. earlier and then now with your kids who are even younger like you're saying, they're coming earlier and earlier. And I had, like one of my mentors said, the kids that are coming are programmed for the new earth. And which is like yeah. really, really fascinating. I think that's just another part of the reframe that will just help parents understand, especially because we're doing so much unlearning of, mm -hmm. like we're in a process of unlearning as our spiritual awakening. But if we could not spill over into the kids, they will not have to do that same level of unlearning. And on top of that, they're coming more programmed for. And when I say the new earth, I maybe we should like talk a little bit about what exactly that is, is meant by that or, or that will kind of unfold as the conversation continues to go. But in general, it is just a is a deep shift in in how the collective is working from working from the lower energies that are more fear-based to coming into higher energies that are definitely love-based. And I'm, I think as this conversation unfolds, we'll keep on layering into 
kind of those those differences because that plays into even even later as we get into the financial system into our personal relationship with money it continues to play in and showing that significant shift between how things are currently working and where we're moving mm-hmm. yeah absolutely absolutely so i don't know if um if there were like what else would you say about like you're you're directly in the mix in the midst of raising young children and and utilizing this information as a next generation guardian what what are you seeing i guess like how is it like how are you how are you doing it <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, you don't, I don't know if enough, you know, if you're doing it well until it's over, right. you know, or even who, who knows that I do know that the, um, the awareness I have of my own distortions and challenges and, um, boundaries that I come up against with my children is becoming a lot more evident or like sort of since my awakening has begun, I'm aware of things that I don't think I would have been aware of. Uh, I, I, I'm certain my parents were not aware of, you know, like sort of like it's, it's completely, I feel a different game or we have the potential to make it into a different game because it's less about how am I raising these children to how am I co-parenting myself and healing and, um, and evolving with these beings. Like that's really how it feels. It feels like my homework is more, how can I get myself to the best possible place so that I am then able to come at them as a clean, you know, clean or purified Mm -hmm. being so that they can then just be who they are naturally without any of my stuff layered on top of that. So majority of like my work, I mean, like when I'm having any sort of issues with my kids, my first thought is not what's wrong with them. It's never, ever (laughs) what's wrong with them, you know, which I think is like the classic thing that parents generally have thought in the past, like, oh my God, there's something wrong with my child. But my, you know, my natural thoughts go to what am I not seeing about myself that's unhealed mm-hmm. and that is being triggered by my perception that there may be something that's wrong with them, mm-hmm. you know? So if I'm, if I'm starting to think there's something, you know, off in our relationship or something, I know that it's because I'm being triggered into not seeing the perfection of what is, you know, or I haven't seen the beauty in what's being presented to me. So it's really interesting. And as I think more parents wake up to that sort of thing, the children have a lot more freedom and a lot more say to actually be who they are. Mm. Um, and, and there's just generally a lot more love. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when, when I'm in a good place, everything's flowing smoothly in everything around me. It's like the law of attraction mm-hmm. is a million times amplified in your children, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's really, uh, it's really an accelerated path I find. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I think, I don't know, I, I'm just thinking of this other kind of parallel example is, is a lot of time in, in we always talk about breaking the cycle of poverty as like a wholly separate silo of looking at like breaking the chain of things that pass on and on. And with this new parenting paradigm, it's like the, they were breaking the cycle uh, of what was before to allowing what is what is now what is coming. I think that's really cool. And I'm also curious, just before we move on to kind of the next section, is there, are there certain things that you've noticed in your children, like as like just being more spiritually flourishing that, that maybe stands out in this, like as an example of what you're seeing as maybe compared to, I mean, I know you haven't raised kids outside of what you're doing, but maybe seen other kids that are at different points in time that weren't being raised in that same kind of idea of, of a next generation guardian? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I feel, I feel like it's across the board. It's really a question of like the generations and the ages. I think that they're all a little bit more advanced, mm-hmm. but I think that if you have parents that are running on the old paradigm, there's going to be the same level of suppression or repression mm-hmm. of like the natural gifts and talents that the people that the children are available to. Um, my daughter's like anti-meditation, anti-spirituality. Yeah. <laughs> I think she thinks like I'm lying to people when I channel. She actually says, she's like, I think you pretend that you're, ch-. I'm like, okay, you're allowed to have your opinion. <laughs> you know, but yes. like, it's, it's funny that you would have that sort of thing. Like, so it's not, it's not like any sort of individuality isn't, um, it ceases to be, or like all of a sudden everybody's into spiritual concepts or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still going to be every sort of character on the planet. But I do think that the, the, the amazing transformation is actually in, in the parents that are now, 
like in the transforming and healing of yourself mm-hmm. um, to no longer allow certain things to continue generation generationally. So, um, and I don't have any frame of comparison. I mean, she has lots of classmates and stuff, but they all seem pretty, pretty awake. Awesome. <laughs> well, that, that's great yeah. to hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think probably one of the other great reframes that people would find really useful is the the great reframe around lessons learning through relationships, especially the romantic relationship, or maybe, or specifically like even how attraction works. Like in reading the book, it was really fascinating to hear kind of the insights of how attraction is working. And if you would love, if you would speak into that, I think people would really find that both fascinating and helpful. Okay, well, um, because the material is channeled, I can't like recall it all okay, just yeah, sure, on sure. a whim like a normal author would right but um I, I do remember being or remember you know having gone through the material so many times in terms of like the attraction and relationships and stuff it again it is a really new paradigm because we are so conditioned to believe that there is you know monogamy first of all but it's not like it favors any other form but this idea of like one partner for your life and you know that's it doesn't seem to apply to the new um to the information that's come through in the book um and attraction is based upon sort of like there's energy and characteristics and soul contracts that you've had or created before you've come into this earth to then play out on this plane you know and you're going to be attracted to the people who can help you grow the most mm-hmm. now growth is not necessarily through like you guys are holding hands running through right. a meadow it's the hard a lot stuff. of the times it's heartbreak yeah, yeah right so um a lot of times it's like meeting a person that you would you project all of your fantasies onto and then they let you down so you find out that actually your fantasies were illusion or mm-hmm. you know or were not you, you know or even learn that you're not really supposed to project things onto other people you know like right. that's also a right. lesson so um so that part of the book, yeah, really talks to how any, anything goes. It doesn't say that like having a long-term mm-hmm. relationship is wrong because it also honors the fact that that might be the contract that you mm-hmm. have and the agreement that you have to live through that experience with another being. Or So yeah, it's, it's really fascinating that there's, you know, that's the thing about that. I mean, they, they don't set down any rules at all right. whatsoever. You know, it's all really up to you and your experiments and the advice or suggestions that they give are all sort of like really empowering. Yes, that's what you know? I think was so powerful is it always comes back to you're the creator of your life. And it's like you mm. have the choice and they want to make that clear. Like even when they're giving kind of like insights into maybe where the collective is moving, they almost want to be like, wait, like you're a sovereign or maybe you made these notes Like you're a sovereign being take in what makes sense for you and leave the rest and they really kind of harp is not the right word but just want to make sure that you remember you you get to choose there's so much choice and I think yeah I think that is so that is part of this as a major part of this awakening is people waking up to choice and so and Mm. and if you're if you're under conditioning you think you have choice but you're really just operating within a like a the the limited lane of whatever that conditioning is saying. So this is like really opening it up back again to you are the co-creator of your life. You have choice. And kind of what I love, I think what people with part of the reframe on the relationships, which is what you hit on is that they're actually lessons in growth. And I think that's what people get so blind to as they, you know, we're under the fantasy that it is about you complete me and it's, you know, love and it's just, happiness and that's the way you're fulfilled in life or one aspect of the way you're fulfilled in life but I think that when we open up to like understanding the inner workings of everything that is occurring in the relationship as trigger points as reactions that when we start to see like oh this was like you said a part of the soul contract and I think that's a not a concept everyone understands is that you have actually agreed to a certain uh, you have agreed to a certain trajectory of growth in this life and you can go beyond it. You can fall below it, but there's actually a part of your, your agreement. Like you have actually set up kind of the three dimensional reality that you're going into as a way to learn certain lessons and whatever those lessons are, are always moving you closer to unity consciousness. Maybe this is the life where you're meant to learn the full game, maybe some portion of it. 
So you have to look at what makes sense to you, what's relevant. And again, that choice goes back to the individual. And I think it's just really helpful just to like, like understand like, hey, this is how this is one way you could see how life is working. And you can utilize all this experience to propel you forward and to expand you. And that's kind of like what I wanted to do with these reframes and sharing on this conversation to do today is to offer people that that reframed idea of like, how can you grow through everything that's happening in your life? And as you kind of master certain lessons, then your challenges don't have, they don't have to, they won't be the same. They'll be new. And maybe in certain cases, they will be lessons because you've learned a lot through the contrast of that experience and you don't need that anymore. So that's also something to consider as like, maybe if you're dating the same type of person and you're running into same type of, the same type of, dynamic in terms of what you need to grow from oh like ding dong like this is the thing I'm supposed to <laughs> supposed to grow from so in another another area that I think people can really benefit from is is the idea of money and not just money in the personal relationship but just that but also an overview of kind of the financial systems and how we're shifting from the current financial systems which are still as I mentioned earlier are still fear-based, uh, they're based in lack, they're based in, you know, which causes people to hoard and causes people not to think of sharing into where we're leading now into ex- kind of explaining like, what is synarchy? Is that how you say that? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and which and sharing in a needs-based economy. So, mm, yeah. well, I guess one thing I'll, I'll add is that I one of I'll mention my mentor again. He had given a talk uh, some time ago and he was just talking about like the coming, the coming times of how right now there's just so much hoarding and not enough sharing that that's what's causing like, it's only in a time like this where it's like third density, which is the density of choice. And there's lots of opportunity through polarity to grow and to learn, but it's only in a situation like this where we could have the amount of poverty on the world that we do with the amount of wealth at the same time. And that mm. that is coming from the lower nature still ruling. And then as we're shifting into our higher nature, like sharing will just be so such a natural outpouring easily, not like governed, not like put upon us through regulation. So yeah, yeah I just wanted to kind of hear your words on, on what was channeled around that. Yeah, that's uh, it's a fascinating topic, and actually, it's one of the topics that um, when I do my public sessions, I do free public sessions. Like, I get a lot of questions about money, how to create abundance, how to you know, everyone mm-hmm. has this this um, this thing alive in their frequency because it's you know, it's how we're managing our existence at mm-hmm. this point in time. So, so there was a lot on that topic that went into the book eventually. Um, yeah, the the whole like the whole analogies around the money that they give. First of all, they explain why money is the way it is now and remind us that it's like a game or it really is a game we're playing that we made up we just made up like this was the most convenient game for the needs that we had at the time when it was created and we've just stuck with it but it actually isn't a thing okay mm-hmm. so like if you start from that reframe you kind of right. go like oh yeah like we wow, just a- collectively agreed that this the paper means something or the metal means that's something. It. exactly so so already if you if you kind of like think about that for a little bit you you already get into like a psychedelic type of thing from a human perspective. You kind of go like, well, if it's not a thing, then like, what is it? And why are we doing it? And why are we giving it so much importance? And why is it such a priority? And like, what are we not making a priority because we're making that a priority? You know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's it gets weird and strange at a certain point, you know, if you, if you think about it too long. But um, the channeled material that came through, they gave a great analogy of the human body. You know, they said that, the human body works on the principle that if we would like to, we could adopt this same principle as a, you know, a humanity on a planet. Right. Whereas um, sort of like, if you have, let's say you've eaten a large meal and you need to digest your food, you might get sleepy because there's less oxygen going to your brain. than there needs to be going to your intestine at that time. Because in that moment, what's needed is to digest that food before there's another need that arises in the body. Like, let's say, running away from a tiger. I think that's actually (laughs) the example that they use, right? So, however, if 
a tiger arrives while you're digesting your food, immediately the resources will be redistributed in your body to allow you to have adrenaline run to your muscles so you can get away from that tiger. Okay. Right. You might have indigestion later, but it's going to get rerouted eventually so that the body can survive as a whole, right? Because the body knows it's a whole. It's not like the stomach goes, ha ha ha, yes. I'm going to keep all. I'm going to keep all of the oxygen and all of the blood flow to me and nobody else can have any. And I'm not going to let the, you know, oh, the small figure is is not as useful as I am. So I'm not going to let it have any oxygen because it knows that eventually it's all connected. Mm -hmm. Right. And anything going wrong in any part of the body is eventually going to kill the whole organism. And we've been lucky on this planet. Like we've been so lucky that we haven't killed enough either. We haven't killed ourselves yet Mm -hmm. because we are all connected. Mm -hmm. And there's been so much pain and suffering and so much neglect of so many important parts of our collective human body, right? Right. Like, oh my gosh. So the synergic um, system would be to start actually acting in that way. Mm -hmm. There's so much wealth on this planet Mm -hmm. Would be in theory. I mean, I'm not a politician. I'm not going to get into right. this. Right? This this requires like a consciousness shift across the board, mm-hmm. right? It requires like that level of awakening. Mm-hmm. But it's simple. If there are people starving, you give them food. Right. Like it's stupid simple, right? Yeah. And then you buy some computers. <laughs> you know right. I mean? Like right, it's right. not. <laughs> it's not that complicated, right? Like you fix. You fix and you provide for what needs providing for, and then you move on. Now, of course, this doesn't just end with humanity. This extends to the entire planet, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't just go like, hey, let's, you know, let's feed all the all the population of the world and then, like, forget about, you know, our natural resources mm-hmm. and everything like that as well. It has to be, obviously, universal. But I think that as the consciousness awakes, it will. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? We yes. will realize that we have enough abundance for everyone and everything. Because the natural impulse from those higher states yeah. is to do that. Yes. Yeah. So that, Absolutely. yeah. So just to kind of underscore for the listeners, it's like, that will just be, the, that's why it's so important for us to do our inner work and to do, to, yeah. to clear everything that is fear-based. It's why it's so important that when you're in that relationship and you're triggered whether it's a parent child or your lover, whatever it is that you do that work because it's actually impacting what we were just talking about in terms of how we share resources in the most natural way. And that's, I just want to underscore the importance of like you doing your inner work is allowing us to move collectively into this place where no one's going to be starving because it just will not happen because there would just be such a natural impulse to take care of the whole. Yeah. And yeah, just it wouldn't make sense. I mean, it, it, to me, it doesn't make sense, yeah. right? Like it already, you know, I don't know. I was one of those sensitive children. Like I, as I discovered more and more about the world, I was like, I don't understand what you people, like, I don't understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I know that like, I see that in my kids too, you know, like, Gosh, you know, if you, t- if you start teaching them about history and certain things that we've gotten up to even recently, mm-hmm. and like, what? what? This doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And there is no actual explanation. You can go and say, oh, but it was this way and it was this way and this way. There's no actual answer for the actions we've been taking mm-hmm. that that can compensate for how ridiculous it is. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's just, you're, it doesn't matter what level of politics or finance right. you tell me. It's never going to compensate for how out of alignment Mm -hmm. we have and continue to be. So um, it's really a shift that, yes, I believe like you, it's down to each individual, Mm -hmm. every single one of us to raise our frequency and clear out our junk and have self-compassion while we do it. You know, like, yes, that's a huge huge one. (laughs) That is huge because it. Yes, as people get on their path, they can maybe the pressure of what I I didn't mean to create it as a pressure. I meant to use it as a motivation and inspiration yes. as to why <laughs> you would want to look at your stuff. But if you start to put pressure on yourself that, oh, my God, I did that and it's affecting this other part of the world. Like, don't like put this crazy pressure on yourself. Like it takes loving. And I mean, it, it's so crazy because even on the highest nuances of this journey, it always comes down to loving and accepting yourself all. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the vagrant, I don't say it right. Vagrant is so great 
about teaching us allowance and acceptance. Like wherever you are, allowance and acceptance for where you are and that you're exactly where you need to be. I mean, you have to kind of like in your own in your own process, not become complacent because of that. But there's Mm -hmm. a true acceptance and allowance through, you know, every person's journey, however long it takes, wherever you are, no matter what, there's a sense of it's okay. And it is because of the ultimate state that we all hold. Yeah, that's it. Let's see, what was the, the next big reframe? Okay, so one of the next big reframes that maybe could help a lot of people is um, the reframe around ailments, around like long-term ailments, or even, I mean, they spend a lot of time on long-term ones, but just health and how, how, like, it's purposeful, how it's serving a purpose, how, because there's so much, there are certain levels of spirituality that uh, really hold up the idea of the most optimal health and the most optimal lifestyle and the most optimal everything. But there's nuance to this. And mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting. And I th- also think that the nuance that's shared in the book is what al- will allow people to move through it in an easier way. Yeah. So... I know, I mean, one of the, I mean, I will let you speak to it, but one of the things that really stuck out to me is like certain people, again, they have contracts that they're going to have these certain elements. And part of it is because they're coming in to change the medical system. Like that's why yeah. they have that is to have the intention and the, and the focus and the interest in actually making these massive changes in the medical system. And I just find it so fascinating when we were able to kind of think about the reasons we incarnated, the reasons we're having the experiences we are when we tie it all back to purpose and we tie it all back to service. So if you wouldn't mind speaking a bit about, about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, in terms of like physical ailments, I guess I have first hand experience because, um, uh, 21 years ago I was diagnosed with autoimmune disease. That was, you know, everyone says permanent, it's not going to go away. You're going to have suffering and pain and whatever. And I'm sort of, I guess, in a, in a place of having healed that. I mean, it's still sort of like on my charts, mm-hmm. but I don't have any symptoms of it or issues from it at the moment, which, which That's is awesome. wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is I would not be who I am had I not had that or had I not had that experience and had, should I not have that on my chart now, I would not be who I am. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because yes. it has colored to such an extent, sort of my entire life and sort of perception of mortality, aging, the fragility of the human vessel or non-fragility, for Mm -hmm. example, you know, so I've had like all these processes relating to my physical form that I wouldn't have had. Mm -hmm. I simply wouldn't have, you know, so um, I would have spent like my, you know, with what my twenties and thirties sort of carefree and, and whatever, and maybe be facing those things you know, now or in 10, 15 years time, you know, when, when generally people right. arrive at certain um, age-related uh, realizations, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm fortunate to have had that experience. So um, Vagrian channel, well, I channel, Vagrian talks about um, ailments giving, like you said, a reframe, a broader perspective on the fact that your, your body is doing exactly what it's meant to be doing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually our idea about what the body's meant to be doing that is far further from reality than anybody's body, sick or well, you know, sick mm-hmm. or healthy in any given point in time, because your body is an, is an amazing machine. You know, if you've gotten to the age of like 25, 30, <laughs> it's already been taking care of you for a long time, right? right? And, and even if you find yourself with something that seems to be the end of the world diagnosis, there's a magic in that because your body's collaborating with you Mm -hmm. just the same way your relationships are collaborating with you. Your body has a soul contract with you. Mm -hmm. It's part of that contract. It's it's your vessel to fulfill things that you wanted to learn. And without certain catalysts, some of which are sort of related to the physical, there would be no way to learn certain things. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were not meant to be physical, you would not have a physical experience. Right. Right. So we are meant to have these these vessel these these physical meat vessels to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. 
and to learn through and to experience pain and to experience joy and to experience pleasure and to have all of the sensations Mm -hmm. because they're going to be leading us to what we came here to learn, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And I think that it's, it's actually, it's actually a pretty big distortion to believe in like a universal health of like a perfect human Mm -hmm. body because what then happens is you create dissatisfaction the same mm-hmm. way it's a distortion to have an idealized image of beauty. It's a distortion to have an idealized image of health because then you are not able, if you have, let's say any imperfection in your health to easily accept yourself and realize the gifts that that's bringing to you, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, so there's even a chapter like healing, what I think it's like, it's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible to heal mm-hmm. because they they do not, from the from the perspective of unity consciousness, there is nothing ever wrong with you that needs healing, mm-hmm. ever. You know, there's only what is in this moment mm-hmm. and how you're going to react to it. End of story. You right, know, and the suffering comes from arguing it. with it, with what it. is. Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of like, a lot of teaching is that, it, like, yeah, the acceptance in in that moment. I mean, I haven't dealt with a long term ailment or anything like that, but. I'm just thinking of like other types of emotional pain or whatever might be is mm-hmm. that really when you can shift out of it is when you can accept that, oh, this is what is in this moment. And it relaxes a yeah. lot of energy around it, a lot of judgment and resistance and uh, um, whatever meaning you've assigned to to that moment, taking away from your worthiness or joy or peace or whatever it might be. So yeah, it's a it's a really powerful lesson to learn, and I just really think, again, this is a another reframe that will help people because so much, like I said earlier, so much in the world is about optimizing perfection in the way that the three dimensional world sees it, through like you said, oh. beauty, perfect health, all that kind of. It's not that you shouldn't take care of yourself and go for those things, but no. just not to be fully distorted by the idea. No. And the other thing is, is like source or God or the universe or whatever you want to call it does not have a problem with anything. Mm -hmm. It is, it's us that have the problem with it. Mm -hmm. So already like a okay with, you know, source, if you have some disease or if you're whatever, it's actually you that's adding the resistance. So the minute that you say this isn't as it should be, you're actually going against what has created it. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're starting a fight where there's no opponent. Right. So you're always fighting yourself at that point, right? So in terms of like acceptance, like you said, it's not that you shouldn't try to improve things mm-hmm. or you shouldn't make, let's not even talk about improve. Let's talk about make the choices towards your preference, of mm-hmm. course. But if you didn't have the catalyst that let's say told you you were, I don't know, having inflamed intestine, you wouldn't have the stimulus to then start going juicing, mm-hmm. you know, and going on juice fast, right? right? Because there would be no need for it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's, it's not that you're trying to improve a problem. It's that a gift has been shown to you of a new direction that you mm-hmm. want to go in. I love that. Yeah. So that's, that is super beautiful. The, I think that another thing that is worth going into, and I may take a moment to read an excerpt from it, but I don't remember exactly how they phrase it, but I'm using emotional guidance system to kind of reference that section of the book. And there's an example on wind that I think is so powerful that I think I might just have to read it exactly. Yes, please. (laughs) But, um, But just for this section for the listeners, like the emotional guidance system, like if we can all learn how to utilize it, we will, again, not be fighting ourselves and we will learn how to properly use it. And so many of us are, are caught in thoughts and believing our thoughts and believing that our thoughts are telling us, oh, our worthiness, what we're capable of, like all these kinds of things. And so I'm going to read this little section directly from the book because I think it's an example that will definitely set in for people. And it says, who created thoughts or whose are they? They are no ones. They are the ones. In re- and in reality, there is only one thought. But what you perceive as a never-ending stream of consciousness is not yours in the way you identify with it. It is no one's. To explain this further, you may use the example of the wind. The wind does not belong to anyone. It just is. Sometimes it blows in your face and moves your hair and gives you a chill and passes through you. 
thoughts are similar. And yet, as with the wind, you do not have control aside from where you position yourself in an environment as to whether or not you will be chilled by the wind. With thoughts, you may also position yourself to either be blown by the thoughts or not. You may shelter yourself from thoughts that you do not prefer by positioning yourself out of their range vibrationally. It is only when one identifies only with their thoughts that they stand in a hurricane and allow themselves to be blown over. If you did not identify with your thoughts, you would simply move out of the way in the same way as when there's a heavy wind. You do not say, this is where I am meant to stand. This is my position. The more of you who learn to move out of the way, the less hurricane thoughts will be added to the collective and eventually there will be no storms. I just think that that analogy of the wind, I think will really sit with people and really help them to, to be able to have this moment of pause of not believing the, the hurricane or the storm of thoughts that are coming your way in so many different scenarios. And I really would like to spend just a little bit of time. I mean, we can kind of bridge this kind of section together, that, but thoughts as well as like we'll move into more the co-creation and that kind of thing. But for so many people right now, the battle for so many people is being fought in that emotional body where they believe the thoughts and it creates the emotion, which creates these, this big story around unworthiness, not being capable. And it's just like not your people are not equipping themselves with understanding how to move through emotions. <laughs> um, so if you would speak to what I call, I don't remember if he, if, if he, <laughs> if Vagrin refers to as emotional guidance system, but kind of that, that areas where we're focused on in the book right now and how we can help listeners apply this in the most ideal way for their lives to be better. Yeah. Well, um, they do say that the emotions are one of the most important tools that we have it's sort of like another body that gives us information the same way our, you know, you hit your, like, in fact, they use this analogy, you hit your knee on a table. You're not going to walk mm -hmm. into the table the next time. Um, your emotions are the same. When you feel a negative emotion, the idea is that you would realize that there was some sort of misaligned belief system within you or something, or not even necessarily belief, but something that you're identifying with in mm -hmm. that moment as true, mm -hmm. you know, um, as your truth, personal truth, which isn't actually. Right. And, um, and you would then, you know, retrain yourself to no longer walk into that belief or thoughts right. with the same frequency because it hurts. Right? right. So it's like pain, move away from the pain. Right. And, it's, it's and simple. Uh, that's the, like the goal is to know, like the pain is not telling you what the truth, that the truth, that the pain is true. Like whatever it's telling you to, you're out of alignment with truth. And most people are right. using it as to confirm, Oh, that's true about me. That's true about me. And it just putting them mm -hmm. in this negative downward spiral. Whereas like you said, when you bump your knee into something, you don't keep running right into it. <laughs> no, no. And you don't, you don't try and cut your knee off like so that it doesn't, you know, reach out that far when you want to pass by that table. And what we do, what we tend to do with emotions, and this is basically just our, our training. Like we just trained each other to do this is we, we do not, we do not look at them. We just don't want to feel them. We will do anything to not rearrange the furniture metaphorically, mm -hmm. right? Like we don't want to move the table. Right. We want to leave the table where it was and just not have a knee. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like we, we want to cut, like not have the possibility of getting hurt. Mm -hmm. Right. Instead of sort of looking at, well, maybe the table works better over there. Right. You know? Um, so, uh, so the emotional guidance system is definitely something that, um, is worth, is worth absolutely studying and teaching. I think also to, to our children, to each other, relearning what emotions are and what we're meant to do with them. Um, and they're a huge component of any level of emotional turmoil is your identification with both your emotions, because that becomes a habit over time. You sort of like, let's say you're a sensitive child or, and you're, you're affected by a lot of things. And it's not that you're out of alignment, like mentally, but maybe you're taking on the energetics of the collective. Like mm -hmm. we're going to get into that as well. Um, and you know, you feel things, or it's, you seem to feel things more than the adults around you, right? So then you're then taught that your emotions in themselves are a problem. Mm. And at that point, 
all you're taught is like, don't be so emotional. Why aren't you smiling? Why are you always upset? Like, oh, you're so, you're such a crybaby. You know, you get, mm-hmm. you get all these messages that say that actually emotions in themselves are dangerous, mm-hmm. right? So we've been teaching each other these things that make absolutely no sense because it's just energy. It's just mm-hmm. what is in that moment. And we pretend that we can control our emotions. We can't. Mm. It's like sneezing. Okay. You're going to have an emotional reaction anytime you're out of alignment. Yeah. What you can do is you can pretend to control it. You can repress it. You can escape it. You can suppress it and you can, you know, you can bottle it all up yeah. or find some outlet for it, but you're still going to sneeze. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it's still, it's, it's a, thing that's going to happen. Right. So instead of like covering it up, find out like, well, what are you allergic to? Mm-hmm. You know, stop right. eating that thing. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So once we learn sort of like the holistic level of like what, a, what the emotional body is, what it's for, um, because we're pretty much clueless. Mm-hmm. Like it's only from, it's only from like higher sources that this information seems yeah. to come through Honestly, So true. Uh, so um, as we learn this, I think that we'll have a lot easier time of kind of going like, hey, you know what? I'm sad. And you know what? It doesn't need to be because something happened. Mm-hmm. Could be simply because I'm working through uh, like an old belief that's coming out of my system that I don't need anymore, you know? Yeah. And just and allowing that it. energy to move through you. I think they, spe- right, yeah. they speak to that. It's like, well, if anger comes through you, why do you have to like judge yourself for it? Why can't you just let it? be what is in that moment but yeah I think you're you're so right on like this information is not out there generally it's hopefully it's getting out there now but it's usually tied to like higher spiritual material so (laughs) hopefully you know this becomes new in the collective as like a normalized thing to to learn and grow from which is what we're seeing as this shift and in this collective awakening that's taking place some other things that uh, might be helpful or it's like maybe we don't have to spend that much time on it because it is a every every one of these is a deep subject which I still yeah. love this book because even though they're all deep subjects the book is 165 pages packed but it's not 800 pages which is what you would think yeah. would be required for the the level of information that is covered but the other the other piece that is just powerful for people to know is just the idea of co-creation intention choosing assigning meaning I think this is great because it's self-realization and self-actualization coming together. I think for a long time, they seem to have been split off. And now it seems like in the times that we're in now, um, it is all together. It's all one thing that you can, you know, coming back to that everyone has choice and we are here to create and express in the world. And we're not here to escape the world. We're here to do things, powerful things of service and, 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 of the world and if we can learn that we have this capacity and this power inside of us and we learn how to direct it is another thing that we can will help quantum leap us as a, as a civilization into these higher energies so just trying to think like what we could share with listeners that basic mentions of these things that can help just to apply in their everyday lives um yeah it's it's like there's a simultaneity between sort of like you having complete power and control over your whole experience, including everyone else in it, because they're all projections of your own perception mm-hmm. of them. And at the same time, understanding that in the tapestry of existence, you are one fiber interwoven with all of these other multicolored fibers that are very different from you and um, or can seem to be very different from you. And you, you all play a play, like you all play a role with each other. So um, it's almost like you, with, with this book as well, and almost all of their concepts, it's almost like you're being asked to hold several concepts in your mind at the same time, all of which are true, mm. and and draw your own very, uh, very empowering personal conclusions mm-hmm. from them as suited for each and every moment, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, and that's what I also love about the, this energy, their energy and, and just channeling with them because it's such a anything goes type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about like we have this, this power in us, right? Which is true, but that power can also be used to like, if you want, mm-hmm. like really 
sit and do nothing. And that's okay too. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no, there's no pressure as to what your creation is going to be. Mm-hmm. Even to the point of like, um, when they, sometimes they talk about like, uh, like the situation in the world right now or mm-hmm. situations that we're seeing sort of on a collective level that most people are saying, Oh, you know, this isn't good. Mm-hmm. Bad things are happening and stuff like that. And they say like, even if you want to create a, like a, an apocalyptic situation mm-hmm. just to be a player in that, because it's interesting to you, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's true. They have total like, acceptance. You you can just like, you can also just like do that. Like if you want to be, you know, Jeff Bridges in an end of the world film, like mm-hmm. go ahead, like, right. no problem. So it's, it's really, um, it's really humbling also when you're, when you're handed that, like when you finally realize how much power you actually have and, and the pressure is taken off in that kind of way, like really, there is no pressure to save the world. I mean, I think it's one of the first right. Yeah, there's like there's no like there's no world to be saved like right. you're just playing relation you're cool like do what you like it's cool you know you suddenly have this space of like well if i am responsible for everything and i can respond to everything in in mm-hmm. responsible in terms of the word then then actually why not make it as awesome as possible right why not make it really good, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And I think that's where like co-creation and stuff like that comes in. I find that since I've started channeling, um, these perspectives have really helped me immensely in so many levels, because like in terms of like co-creation, let's say you're not getting along with someone you work with, or mm-hmm. you know, there's some sort of conflict with your social group or something like that. If you pull it back to sort of like, well, actually everyone has their own perspective and everyone, like everyone's living in their own timeline, in their own mm-hmm. now, have their own space. You you are able to open up a level of like compassion and understanding to others that just allows you to accept them without judgment as well, right? That's Even awesome. if you're not getting along and the relationships end, your contract's done with that person, you end up being able to kind of go like, well, if I was that person, you know, whether it's even like in politics or right. like whatever, you go, you know, if I was that person. A hundred percent, I'd be doing exactly the same thing they are because it would be impossible not to be right. if you were that, right. right? Like that's the only logical conclusion. If you were them, you would do what they were doing because they have whatever reasons they have for doing what they're doing. Exactly. So it's only like, that's the deepest level of compassion too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're, you're only like lucky you're not them <laughs> if you don't like what they're doing. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So if you focus on what you're doing, and get that as aligned to your perfect thing and stop focusing so much on what everybody else is doing. Because the truth is you are them. You're mm-hmm. just another version of you is doing that thing. Yeah. It's fine. Right. Then you can take this life that you have, the one that you're currently in and really make it what you want to make it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like worrying about any, nobody's got any power of you or nobody's doing right. anything to you. It's exa- always in this moment, in this moment, this moment, how you are responding to your life. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's all that life is, really. I think that's another powerful perspective for people to <laughs> definitely take in and to maybe sit with a bit for some. That might take a little <laughs> bit to sit with, but I think it's super powerful. And I think it will unhook a lot of people from fear and frustration and anger on these bigger things that they feel powerless against, because this is a way more empowering way to look at it. And one of the last things I know, wow, we've already coming up on a almost an hour, but I was thinking one of the last things I thought might be interesting to share with people is just like, as we're like moving into, how do I say this, this collective awakening and being able to move with consciousness in new ways, I think it's really powerful for people to understand just what is coming what is available? Like, for instance, I'm trying to say this, not coming out very well. As you, as an example, for one thing, I would say that you've even shared, you shared recently on a social media that you can't listen to a podcast unless it's like at 1.75, the speed part, which I didn't even know what those, I was like, why did that, why are there speeds on them? I didn't even know what people did. <laughs> but my, my point of, <laughs> my point of bringing that up is that People are, or humans are coming to the state of being able to move at such a faster rate, not only move, but receive at a faster rate too. So maybe that's where I was wanting to start. As I remember, speaking of 
just referencing my mentor again one time well he told me that like in order to recover himself like for the listener that means just like remembering who is remembering his true self he would watch a spiritual teacher named krishnamurti but he said he was trying to teach me to do the same thing he was like you don't actually have to listen to the words you just need to open up to the energy that's coming through like there's a vortex of energy that is behind that's coming through this being and if you can open up to it you can receive you can learn you can recover you can because they are the same thing they are you you are you are there we're all one I was not so able to do that or not consciously connect to the fact that I was that was or wasn't doing it. But what I'm noticing just in becoming more into spiritual communities with the same community we met through and just meeting more people who are just more multidimensional, I would say that that would be the word probably, is that it's just becoming more and more commonplace, at least in my awareness, for how people are able to receive transmissions. And, and this book is a transmission both through you and also like the energy in the book as a transmission, not just the words themselves, but the energy behind the words. And just want to leave this with the listeners is to help people open up to like these capacities. I think first it just starts by like, oh, it's a thing. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. a thing that can happen. And <laughs> yeah. you're an awesome example because you move so quickly. And if you would share that, because I only shared that one example of how you listen to a podcast really fast. But another thing was like Bentinho, which is a, a spiritual teacher I reference often and one we both learn from. He even says like his highest teaching comes comes through his silence, but not everyone can hear the silence. I know you can. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to offer this to the readers and have you share some sh- some on this so that it just at least sets the seed or plants the seed that this is possible and it's happening. <laughs> Yeah, um, absolutely. Okay, so um, I've been trying to, because this question kind or the similar kind of question comes up a lot and more recently, um, I've been trying to sort of like pinpoint what it is that happens when I channel or like you said, I can also tune into now. I didn't used to be able to, but I can also like, I wouldn't quite call it channeling because I won't allow the energy to come through my vessel, but I can go and reference other people who I admire um, and have full conversations with them Mm -hmm. energetically. So it's not even maybe words, but I can actually go and, and energetically interact with people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, so when I channel, it's like the first thing is the, like you said, Oh, this thing exists. Like it's possible to do this. So that was like, that's like the first step It's kind of going like, just going like, maybe it's possible. You know, I think the second step is when like when the energy does start to come through to get over whatever fear you have that you're going crazy because you're going to have it. You're Mm going to have it. Like it's going to be like, oh, I'm imagining things. Oh, it's just because I admire that teacher so much that I think that like maybe I think I'm special or whatever. But you have to get through that that phase of your own distortion where you're like working out what your conditioning is about Mm -hmm. these topics, about mental health and about what's possible, what's not possible in terms of like psychic ability Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Because I do believe we are all equipped with Mm -hmm. this software, right? Like we've all got it. We just didn't turn on, you know, you didn't open up the file basically. Right. Um, so you got to work through your stuff for that. And then at a, like at a certain point, you have to relax Mm. and like, let go of the expectation that it's going to be something because Mm. there's nothing, um, the whole the whole channeling thing like it's beautiful and everything but it's actually really underwhelming Mm. compared to what like in theory you'd think it would be yeah and and it's not like a a humility or a modesty when like when I say like I don't do anything Mm -hmm. because I don't like it really isn't it's like that un exciting (laughs) not like like I'm waving my hands in the air or like something Mm -hmm. you know flashes of lights or anything like that it's really very much just a question of like listening and allowing Mm. and that's it and then and then I you know I go into trance so I don't even like I'm not even participating you know when I'm channeling right but the energies are all there they're all around us you know Mm. many many people have been talking about this for you know uh, hundreds and hundreds of years you know you, you think about like napoleon hill and and uh his books and um talking about like having a cabinet of of wise men that mm-hmm. he would consult with, mm-hmm. you know sort of but like 
you know, he put the most famous scientific minds and economical minds on this cabinet, dead men, living men. Yeah. And he would consult with them at night before yeah. he went to bed about his next moves, you know? Right. And so it's, we do have this speed of light telecommunication system mm-hmm. in place within us that we can actually use, but it really does take like the going, I'm going to use this. Mm. Yeah. And we've all done it. Like you pick up the phone and like the person that you wanted to call is on the other end of the phone already. Right. Like, you right. Know, You're thinking of a song, it comes on the radio, like, you know, lots of things yeah. like that. Yeah. And of course it does. It, channeling is, is just one example. I was just even talking about just learning quick like just transmitting information as a way of learning and then like you're saying you're you're moving faster in this world because I think it was described in the book or maybe I heard it from another teacher it's just like we're getting lighter like the reason things are move slower is because we're more densely in the body or in matter or whatever but as you get as your your what's that called this cubic inch of light or whatever what's whatever some as the density of light how about that as the density of light increases well then things can move faster because you're not as heavy you're not as dense i'm keep using the word dense for both both directions (laughs) more densely in light than densely in matter and then so that is allowing things to move a lot quicker and that makes sense that it would I also think that people limit themselves. They've mm-hmm. never tried it. Do you know right. what I mean? Like I, when I started, I guess when I started channeling or just shortly before I had just this impulse to learn speed reading. Mm. Um, and, and now like I'll consume books very, very quickly. You, and it served me because like it's been, it then goes on to being able to be more skills mm-hmm. in other directions. You know what I mean? You learn faster, you have more information to then be able to reintegrate. And like I said, like listening to podcasts or, or any sort of, specifically like instructional videos, if I'm listening to them, you know, I'll listen to them at the speed where I am under like the, where I can tell the information is going in my brain, but I don't necessarily need to recall it because you don't need recall. You don't act. Nobody's testing us. We've all learned that we have to memorize stuff. And then, but the thing is, it's going in anyway. Your brain is so much faster than you give it credit for. Mm -hmm. So you have the capacity to learn way more than you're actually doing and people they just stop learning Mm, and they slow themselves down but i would suggest anyone listening to it like try it like try try it try listening to things at Mm. normal speed like this right now maybe not my voice because i talk a bit faster (laughs) but um (laughs) but you know like you know any sort of any sort of challenge that you can give your brain is feeding it Mm. it's feeding it so yeah good point and it opens things well, I probably think it's about time to kind of wrap it up, but I definitely want readers <laughs> to go get the book. I will have it linked in the show notes. It is, uh, I heard you say Vagrin. You said it differently than I did. I said Vagrin. You said Vagrin. Okay. How did you say it? Vagrin. Yeah, it's Vagrin. never been pronounced to me either. So it's not like, the I've never heard it. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard the name, That's but yeah, right. Vagrin. And it's, uh, um, and- yeah, it, Seeking Ends When Sharing Begins, which I love that. And you share a story how that came about. So yeah. again, readers encourage you to get it. It's on Amazon, whatever country you're in, go to Amazon site for your country and, and get the book. I, I read it in, and I, I read it slowly just so I could take it in, but it is, like I said earlier, it's not, it's 165 pages, but you did do small print and they're big and they're pretty. Yes. Big. yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's for the Amazon printing cost. <laughs> okay, and also I wanted to let people know that you could that they can work with you. I share we shared all yeah. that on the first podcast, but just again to reference, especially with the channeling, that people can book sessions with you, like an hour long yes. session, where you you will work with them in that mm-hmm. channeled state. I don't know if it's they yes. come with their own questions or or what what the yeah, parameters. Yeah, they can, is. and no, no, there's no parameters. It's pretty much anything goes they have an hour with Bagrian and uh yeah it's always really really powerful very cool so people could do that I will have it all linked in the show notes and also you do public sessions and I will link up your all your social media because you have two Instagram accounts your personal and the one for the channeling and then you have two Facebooks too I think uh, yeah. And then the YouTube. So there's lots and of, YouTube. lots of transmissions on the YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. And people can, can go watch the actual transmissions and the yes. book is, um, it pulls a lot of them together. I don't know if it's everyone, but it yes. pulls them together. No, it's, it's organized not. super well. 
you even took the time to do glossary, index, everything. That's yes. awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the hardest parts of the book. Oh actually. my God. I bet so. Better yeah. pulling your hair out. <laughs> but yeah. thank you again, Jessica, for being our first thank returning you. guest. I'm super happy That's for this wonderful. book. The world needs it. The world can benefit from it. And um, I know I have. So thank you again for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. The music on the podcast is a song I fell in love with called We Are the Love We Give by Imaginary Future. It's available everywhere music is sold.